When I was in college, I worked at a church for a year. It was, a, it was not a United Methodist church. It was of a different denomination. I'm not going to name the denomination because I don't want this story to reflect bad on the denomination or this particular church. But when I was working at this church, uh, I always wondered how this particular denomination did baptism. And so one day I said, how, how, do, how do we do baptism here? And they, they explained to me that there's a baptismal pool. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I've been in the sanctuary every single week for worship, and I never have noticed this particular baptismal pool. Where is it? And they said, well, there's this wall that goes up and down behind the pulpit where, where the preacher stands. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Can I see it? And there were a few people gathered around, and they kind of started looking at each other, kind of making eye contact. And so they're trying to have a subliminal conversation without me knowing what they're thinking or what's going on. And they kind of start stuttering a little bit, trying to make up some sort of excuse. And then finally, one of them says, I don't think we want to go back out, show it to you, without first checking it ourselves. I was like, okay. Is there something growing in it? Is it not really there? Are you not sure if it's still there? And they said, let's just say it hasn't been used in a while. And we're not sure that they drained the water last time it was used. And you know, the water might get a little stagnant over time, and it might be a little stale. There might be something growing there that we don't want you to see. I said, that's very interesting. A short while after that, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine, and during the course of the conversation, I was describing some struggles that I had, and I was kind of pouring my heart out to them and saying, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with this, and, and the mentor, I guess, eventually got to a point where they were frustrated with all of my frustrations and all of my struggles, and, and they said, either out of frustration or by the leading of the Holy Spirit, I'm not sure which, they said this, and I've always remembered this line. They said, if we have the same conversation a year from now, will the conversation be exactly the same? And I believe in an interesting kind of way that these two stories have something to do with the whole idea of renewal in our lives and have something to do it's something that I believe all of us struggle with when it comes to matters of faith. Let us pray. Everlasting God, you are the source of life and the one that renews us when we seem lifeless. We ask that you would revive us again this day, both corporately and individually, so that we may be renewed to live more faithfully as your disciples. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Our scripture for this morning comes from Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick up about halfway through verse 4, and I invite you to follow along on the screen as we read through it. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever gains were to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I want to invite you to read along with me as we read verses 10 and 11 again. I think this is the goal that Paul is talking about in this entire passage. When he says, read along with me, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. My wife Emma recently graduated with her degree, a doctor of physical therapy degree, and so I have to refer to her around the house as Dr. McPhail. Now it's awkward for all of us, including the dog. And so we've been working through that, but she is waiting on her final transcript to be sent to the state office so that she can be licensed as a physical therapist, which means she can get a paycheck. And we're excited about that and looking forward to that. But for those of you who aren't familiar with physical therapy, physical therapists are what are known as movement specialists. They are specialists in the way that the body moves. And this is always interesting to me whenever we go walking together because she always feels the need to comment on different people's running posture. She'll say, she'll just be staring at him while we're in the middle of a conversation and she'll say, oh, he's compensating for some knee pain. Just look at the way his legs are angled. And then there'll be another person that'll go by and and she'll say, oh, look at her. She's, she's going to have back pain because of this. And I'm sitting there going, they just look like they're running. But it's awkward for me because I feel like personally I would be in a lot better shape if I weren't scared to death to move around my wife. <laughs> and so we, we go and we, we look at all these people and we see the way that they're moving. And to me, I think I don't understand what the big deal is. But because she has a trained eye, she can look at it and she can say that the posture in which they are running is going to give them some sort of injury, prevent them from having success in their goals of fitness, and and possibly uh, cause them to have long-term issues as a result of their posture. Well, similarly, similarly, I believe that we have similar issues when it comes to our spiritual posture. There are things that we do in our personal life, in our spiritual walk with Christ, or our lack of spiritual walk with Christ, that might be considered to a trained eye to be bad spiritual posture. And there are a few different types of bad spiritual posture that I think all of us, at some point in our life, will struggle with at least one of these. The first one is lack of depth perception. 
Basically, someone with lack of depth perception. This is someone who believes that spiritually I have already arrived. They don't realize that there's more to go. They don't realize that there's more to seek, that there's more of God to know. And so they just kind of rest on their laurels and they say, I have accomplished all there is to accomplish, spiritually speaking. And so they think, I have already arrived and there's no need for me to keep going. They have a lack of depth perception. And that posture can keep them from growing because they don't realize that there's more room for them to grow. The second is no direction. This is a a bad spiritual posture that all of us more than likely have at some point in our spiritual journey where we have no direction. We have no idea that we're even supposed to be following Christ, perhaps. And so we, we look at our spiritual walk and there doesn't seem to be any movement because there doesn't seem to be any direction for which we are going. And the third is being stuck in a rut, being stuck in a rut. And anyone who has ever participated, participated, anyone who has ever participated in an exercise program knows what it means to be stuck in a rut. Uh, I have been stuck in a rut for like the past 10 years. And, and some of you might have gone through exercise programs, whether you're a weightlifter and there's a certain weight threshold you can't seem to get beyond. Or if you're a distance runner, there's a certain spot, whether it's a time or a certain distance marker, that you can't seem to get beyond. No matter what you do, you just seem to be stuck there. And after a while, you just kind of either get frustrated Or you just accept, I'm never going to move beyond this particular rut. And spiritually speaking, a lot of times we get in ruts where we don't even try to grow anymore. Where we don't even feel that there's a need to grow anymore. It's kind of like the lack of depth perception. But when you're stuck in a rut, uh, you just get comfortable with the fact that you're stuck in that rut and you never seem to get going again. Well, in our passage for this morning, Paul is writing to the Philippians. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to share some perspective with them that will help open their eyes to see some things that might help them in their spiritual posture. And he's talking about this journey, and he's talking about this goal of knowing Christ. As he talks about this goal, he is saying, this is something that you need to go after. This is something that you need to to seek in your own life. He is saying, this is the one thing that's worth going after, knowing Christ, participating in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And so he's describing the spiritual journey to the Philippians. And as he's writing them, he kind of touches on a few things that, that deal with these bad spiritual postures. The first thing is he talks about his own accomplishments and credentials. And he's talking from his personal experience, and he's saying, hey, if anybody feels like they can say that they've arrived, it should have been me. In terms of righteousness based on my own credentials, it should have been me. I should have been the one that should have said, hey, I can stop here. That lack of depth perception. And so he said, If anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists off all the ways in which he was righteous according to the Jewish law. And he was saying, 
of all the people in all the world, I'm the one, if there's anybody who can say that they've arrived, I'm the one who can say that they've arrived. And he didn't mean it in an arrogant way. He was just saying, I had all the credentials. I had everything that was necessary in terms of righteousness and right standing. Uh, And still, I consider those things to be a loss. I remember when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, uh, I was incredibly legalistic. And what I mean by that is, if you've never been around someone who's really legalistic, a legalistic person will justify everything based on what they do and do not do. I followed this certain set of rules, and I had identified things that I thought were the Christian things to do, and because I followed every single rule that I had set for myself and I thought were justifiably set, because I followed every single one of those rules, I I would just carry myself as though I am the Christian guy on this campus. If anybody can boast in their righteousness, it's me. And what I didn't realize at the time until I started coming out of that season was that I was slowly dying on the inside. That I had based my entire worth upon following these rules and I was missing out on something. I thought that I had arrived. I thought that I had experienced all there was to experience. But I was missing out on something more. I had a lack of depth perception. I didn't see that there was more. And so Paul continues and he says, but whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me, all that legalism, all that following of the rules, that lack of depth perception, not realizing that there was more to go, That's all rubbish. That's all, I consider it a loss. I consider it to be nothing compared to knowing Christ. Nothing compared to knowing Christ. And this is where it gets to those people who have bad spiritual posture because they have no direction. They don't realize that our credentials in life, our right standing in life is not enough. They, they try to get by based on what they've obtained in this world. They get obsessed with their possessions. They get obsessed with what they've accomplished with their job, with their standing. And they don't realize that they're missing out on the most important thing. And Paul realizes through his conversion, he realizes through his ministry, that whatever it was that he had in terms of right standing, it was nothing compared to knowing Christ. A few years ago, I watched the movie Click. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's a movie with Adam Sandler in it. And I don't really remember much about the movie, but I remember the basic premise of it. Uh, He had fallen asleep in a uh, TV store, I believe, and he had a remote in his hand. And he started having this dream that with this remote, he could fast forward through the parts of life that he didn't want to participate in. And so in this dream, he's envisioning his entire life, and he's fast-forwarding through everything he doesn't want to do. And after a while, he just gets comfortable with it. And so he's fast-forwarding more and more and more, and he realizes at the end that he has no relationship with his kids, he's accomplished nothing in life, and he has no memories to look back on. And he feels like he's wasted his entire life because he just was trying to skip ahead the whole way through. And I think that's a lot of times what we do when we have no direction, when we don't realize that there's a relationship with Christ that's important, a relationship with Christ that is supposed to be foundational in our lives. And it's that sense that I've heard from people who wasted away years 
without having a relationship with Christ, that I've heard them say to me time and time again, I feel like I wasted my life. I feel like I was missing out on something the whole way through. There wasn't direction. But for Paul, he said there's a clear goal, and the goal is knowing Christ. That beyond the direction, the lack of direction, there's a goal, and that goal is knowing Christ. But here's what's interesting to me about Paul. Paul had his credentials to stand on. And then he came to know Christ and he said, everything else is rubbish. Everything else is worthless compared to knowing Christ. But then he realized once he came to know Christ that he had to keep going. Here was a guy who was one of the greatest missionaries, probably the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. He had led thousands to Christ. He had started multiple churches all across the Mediterranean. And even he is sitting there and saying towards the end of his life, I don't feel like I've obtained the goal already. I feel like there's more for me. And so he says, not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And what he is talking about is even though I've accomplished everything that I have in my spiritual life. I don't want to get stuck in a rut. I don't want to get stuck in a place where I don't keep pursuing more. I don't keep pursuing more of God. And here he is, he's in prison, writing this from prison. And he's saying, everything else is worthless. Knowing Christ is all that matters And beyond that, I'm going to keep pressing on, keep pressing on, and keep pressing on until I have more and more and more of Christ. In the Methodist church and and a lot of similar theological uh, groups, we talk about this as sanctification. And it's not necessarily what justifies us and saves us, but it's once we have been saved, once we have been justified, through the sacrifice of Christ and have that relationship with Christ as our Savior, we keep going in the relationship. We keep growing. We keep seeking God and desiring more of God. Not just letting the baptismal waters that saved us once grow stagnant, but continuing to grow in our faith, continuing to grow and mature through a deeper relationship with Christ. Recently, I I began rereading a book Uh, that I had read almost a decade ago, and uh, it's had a profound impact on me both then and now. Uh, It's called Rut, Rot, or Revival, and it's by a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer, who was a prominent pastor um, in the early to mid part of the 20th century. And in this book, Tozer is talking about how when you get stuck in ruts, you kind of have two options for the direction that you can go. You can either rot in the rut or you can move towards a revival. You can make a change 
and move towards a revival. And so he, he's raising the question of do you want to be stuck in rot or do you want to move towards revival? Do you want renewal in your lives? And as the book begins, he begins with a scene out of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is the book written in the Old Testament right before the Israelites entered into the promised land. And at the beginning of the book, Moses is addressing the people. And as he addresses the Israelite people, he comes before them, and this is what he says in Deuteronomy 1, starting in verse 6. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Now, the Israelites for 40 years seemed perfectly content to just stay in a rut, seemed perfectly content to just wander around in a circle around this mountain. And Moses says, the time has come. You've been stuck in this rut long enough. It's time to take hold of what God has for you. It's time to experience what God has for you and experience the fullness of what God has for you. The Lord has promised you a land. Go and take hold of it. In a similar way, this seems to be what Paul is challenging the Philippians to do. By alluding to his own spiritual pilgrimage and his own spiritual pedigree, He's saying, if you feel like you have enough credentials based on where you are or the relationship that you might have with God, he's like, I've got more credentials than you do. If you think you have enough on your own, let me tell you that everything you have gained, everything that you have experienced in life is nothing compared to knowing Christ. And if you think for a second that there's ever a point that you ought to stop growing in your faith, he said, let me tell you something. I've been all around the world preaching the name of Christ, and I keep going. I realize that there's something more, and so I'm going to keep going. I'm going to press on. And so this morning, I believe that God is is calling us to take hold of what he has for us. The goal is clear. Paul makes it clear to know Christ To know Christ is what life is all about. And we have to get to a place within our lives where we have to say, I want to keep going. And maybe for you, it's it's a clear lack of direction. You've never taken a step in that direction towards Christ. Maybe for you, nothing has changed in your spiritual life in the past five years. You seem to be at the same place you were just a few years ago. And God's saying, there's more. There's more to experience. Press on. Press on. And so I feel that as we begin this season, as we go through the series called Revisioning, we have to start here. We have to start and say, God, I want to move beyond where I am. I want to experience renewal. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that provides a a beautiful model for what renewal can look like individually and corporately. And it comes from Second Chronicles 7.14. It 
And this verse says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And throughout history, this scripture has been a model for personal and corporate revival. It's been a verse that's been read in in countries all over the world. And as people took these words seriously, God did amazing things in their lives and started to transform them. And, And this is the way I see it breaking down the three things that this verse calls us to do. Uh, And for the sake of those of you who like alliteration, they all begin with R-E for the fun of it. But relinquish control. We humble ourselves. We come before God and say, beyond anything I might have accomplished on my own, I realize that you are God and that you are the one who can lead me and sustain me. Second thing is we refocus our hearts and our lives. We turn our faces towards God, rekindling the flame of a relationship that might have grown stagnant over time. You know, in in marriages, whenever you talk to someone who's dealing with marriage difficulty, one of the first things you you always suggest to them is, if you're having difficulty, go back to the place where you last experienced love for one another. Go back to doing the things that saw you growing closer to one another. And for some of us, this might be an opportunity to refocus our hearts And go back to that place of when we last experienced God's grace and growth in our life. And then the last thing is we repent. We turn from our wicked ways. In order to become like Christ and to know Christ and become like Christ in his death and participating in his sufferings. We have to let the things that consume us in our lives, that distract us from the Lord. We have to let those things die as well. And so many of us are stuck in spiritual ruts and we're, we're gravitating towards rot because we're missing out on turning away from things that are holding us back. It might be an attitude that's gripped you. It might be something that you keep in the dark. But if we turn from those things and we seek God, while humbling ourselves. God's word is true. And he says, I will respond and I will heal your land. I will bring the revival that you need. I will bring the renewal that you seek. And so over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time as a church asking the Lord to make clear his vision for this church once again. But as we move towards that, we have to start right here. We have to start in our own lives and we have to cry out and say once again, God, I may have no direction, but point me towards you. Or you might have to say, God, I have been stuck in a rut for so long. I am consumed by distractions. Lead me beyond this. And for some of you, you might have just been sitting there resting on your laurels saying, I've been here, I've been a Christian for so long, I don't have any more room to grow. And God's saying, there's more. There's more for each one of us. And so this morning I ask you, 
to ask yourselves a question. If we have this conversation a year from now, will it still be the same? Let's pray. Lord God, you are a God who renews us. You are a God that breathes new life into us. If we would but seek you, if we would just turn our eyes and fix our gaze upon you. So Lord, I ask as as we come to close this service, as we open up this altar, Lord, I ask that that hearts would be turned towards you. Uh, Not on behalf of anything that I've shared this morning, but based upon your word based upon your desire to see us press on, to see us grow in our faith, to not let the baptismal waters grow stagnant, but to keep that life flowing and your grace and mercy moving within our lives each and every day. Rekindle the flame within us. Let us refocus our hearts on you that you may renew our lives. In your name we pray, amen.